If you grew up looking at the Dimes Tower or steam rising from the cooling towers in Berwick, you know what it's about. Nepotism. Yeah, today, episode one of my Nepotism podcast. My guest has toured all over America, and she's moved back to Wyoming County. She's, uh, she's got a website where she teaches a class about finding out one's own voice. Uh, happy to have comedian Ellen Doyle. How are you today? Good, how are you? I'm good. I can hear you just fine. Now, are you uh, up early on the West Coast, or are you somewhere in between? I'm up early on the East Coast. On the East Coast. Okay. This is early for me. Well, you're, I mean, you're doing stand-up. Of course this is early for you. I would have just felt really bad if you're out in Los Angeles or something, you know? Yeah, no, I'm not. That would be a completely different interview, honestly. <laughs> That'd be a lot more anger from your end is what you're saying. Yeah. I'd be like, listen, what do I have to tell you? We're done. Yeah. Now, where, <laughs> are, where, are you based out of the East Coast now? Is that the deal or what's or what's going on? Uh, yeah, I kind of, I came back here. Um, mm -hmm. I was working on an album that was, uh, recording for Sirius, uh, last April. Right. And I don't know if you have any of the news apps, but last April was a bad time for anything. I heard um, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I ended up staying here and, and it, it's awesome. Like I, I, I miss the East coast. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up here and, uh, you know, I've toured all over the country, but there's just, there's something about this sense of humor. A lot of places in the country don't have sarcasm, but we do here. <laughs> I don't understand people who don't have sarcasm. It, throw, it just blows my mind every time, you know? Yeah. No, I've I've uh, upset a lot of people in, like, weird pockets of the country, and I'm like, I'm, I'm kidding. But now it's not funny if I say I'm kidding because right. you're supposed to just hear the tone, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, what town are you in? Are you in New York? Are you in Philly? Are you in, like, Wilmington, Sussex? I don't know. I'm just throwing names out now. I'm sorry. Um, no, I like it. No, I, I appreciate the uh, geography. I'm actually uh, in Scranton. Oh, so you're right here. Jeez, I could have. Yeah. I didn't know you were I so know. close. So for some reason, I had you, like, you know, about, now what part of Scranton are you living in? Now I have to know everything. Well, I am. I'm outside, I'm outside Scranton. Uh, I say Scranton. I know. I say Scranton just because I feel like I'm thinking sure. when people are like, where are you at? But we are in Scranton. Uh, so I'm actually currently in Tunkhannock. Oh, okay. So I'm a little bit outside. That but I'm like, I'm in, yeah, I'm in the next county. There you, you know? go. Plus, you know, you're yeah. right by uh, one of the best uh, restaurants in the area, and that is, uh, why can't, oh, Twigs. I couldn't think of the name for a second. Oh, Twigs, so good. God, I'm yeah. in love with Twigs. Now, I'm talking with Ellen Doyle, uh, a comedian who's been all over this great land of ours and for some reason still thinks Northeast PA is the best place to live. And you know what? I can't argue with her. Good morning, Ellen. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, Prospector. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. So, listen, you've been back in Northeast PA for a couple of years. Uh, what do you think? Has it changed much since the first time you were here? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think I think we're always growing. We're always kind of expanding. There's always some new, uh, you know, art or cultural thing happening here, which mm -hmm. I really like. Uh, but the people are the same. You know, people are still going to be uh, say some snarky remark to me, and I'm like, I love you guys so much. I love being back here. You know, someone's going to give me, a, like, a dirty look in a Joanne's fabric, and I'm like, you guys are great. Thanks for thanks for coming home, you know? Did you miss that when you were out and about uh, traipsing all over America? Absolutely. This area has the, like, it's one of my, this side of the country, East Coast, is the fa my favorite people to perform in front of. They all get sarcasm. They all get the... Uh, you know the darkness yeah they all have a sense of humor is what's is what's interesting you know you can't you can't offend a uh, an east coaster the way that you can offend like somebody in boise you know <laughs> <laughs> don't be talking smack on boise now come on all right i love boise it's it's a great area they're just uh yeah 
<laughs> Someone, they just, there's just no no one taught sarcasm like yeah. past you know Ohio or something. It's, <laughs> it's like not in their school systems. And like it was an integral part of us growing up here. You know what I mean? Like this is the whole reason I have a career is because of the sarcasm. Absolutely. Well, and it's your whole like defense mechanism for like you know standing up for yourself as a kid. You're yeah. like, I'm not gonna get in a fight with this guy, but uh. I'm going to say something snarky back, and everyone's going to think that I'm cool enough, and I live another day, you know? Yeah, other yeah. schools, I'm like, what happened to you guys? You don't even have it. And yeah. the West Coast has no sarcasm. I like it out there, but it's not the same as every time I – the first time I actually came back here to perform mm -hmm. uh, was one of the uh, – I think it was the first Fringe Festival, so it was like 2014 maybe. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've been out in Los Angeles for – several years of doing comedy and, and bounce a couple of places. And I remember I told my dad that I was like, I'm going to come and do a show at the French festival. And he was like, I don't know, Ellen, like, I don't know if this area like is really going to get into like your humor. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, this area created my humor. I was like, Los Angeles has been crossing its eyes at me for a little bit being like, wait, what happened? I'm like, I'm from Northeast Pennsylvania. Like, oh, okay, we get you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, they, these people understand it. I, I love it. It's such a, this, Scranton and, and just, yeah, this whole this whole part of the country, I think, is just kind of a gem for humor. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, since you said it, your humor. Um, and I know sometimes comics struggle to answer that question, but what is what is the Ellen Doyle humor, point of view, so to speak? Uh, I mean, I, I am a, I'm a dark monster that you <laughs> that you would still hug afterwards. You know, like I... <laughs> I things come out of my mouth and and I'll say it with a smile and and hopefully no one's mad um i <laughs> i am i'm definitely dark i'm definitely a dark comic yeah. uh you know i i kind of brand myself as like a broken adult because it's just like mostly like why is that why is that taxpaying citizen talking like that i'm like i, I don't know <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know when we were supposed to stop acting this way you yeah. know i just kept going and and now we're <laughs> full into adulthood and i'm like whoops uh but uh you know, I mean, I, I do, like, I have the, uh, I can go both ways. I, I've done a ton, uh, ton of clean shows. I've performed in front of kids. I still do dark stuff. You know, right. it's just, it's all about not being, not saying certain things. But um, I think the dark is funny. I think, uh, I think as human beings, like, that's, that's always where my sense of humor is. It's definitely sarcastic and it's definitely dark. Because I think as humans where we all have that twisted voice in our head. We might not say it out loud. You know, but mm -hmm. you might see something during the day and you're like, mm, I'm glad no one can hear my thoughts. <laughs> my comedy is I'm going to let you hear my thoughts. I want you to hear because you can relate to that. We all do it. I'm not saying you have to tell me what you're thinking. Right. But I'll tell you what I'm thinking. And I just want to see your nod. And I'm like, yeah, you thought that before, too. <laughs> it seems so dangerous. And like, especially, you know, you get out there into that uh, breadbasket of America, the Johnny Carson Midwest, where they're all so nice and, uh, and, and kind to one another. And you're out there just tearing into people, man. Have you ever gotten blowback? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. No, that's the that's the journey of comedy. <laughs> you have to hate yourself just enough to be like, this could be such a bad idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, Myrtle Beach was uh, my biggest blowback. A woman, I was in a competition. I I won the previous round the night before. Mm -hmm. uh, I was doing a pretty edgy uh, joke, and uh, everybody loved me the night before. The rules of the contest was you have to do the same joke this night. And that lady didn't like it because uh, it was uh, because I used the word cancer. It's not a it's not making oh, fun of cancer, but right. she yeah. And uh, she got up and told on me to the 
to the judge. And she he was said like, the C word. Which one? Yeah, exactly. I know, right? <laughs> and he's like, uh, but he told me afterwards. He's like, yeah, that lady uh, was like, uh, who manages this girl? He's like, not me. And I was like, oh my gosh. At the time, I was like, she thinks I have representation. This lady's fantastic. Yeah, she's like your best friend now. Oh my god, she thinks yeah. she actually wants to be involved in my career. I know. Yeah, it was like much like she heard a word and went one way. I was like, I heard a word and went one way too. I was like, I'm flattered. Oh, she's mad at me. Oh. Um, but you know, but it's good because those. It was a joke that I had done for so long, and it never failed. And it's a very tricky one to do mm -hmm. because you know, dark topics like that hurt people. But it's like it's about my experiences with it. So right. it's like that's what I don't ever understand. People are like, I'm offended. I was like, yeah, this is how I felt about dealing with something horrible. Right. Um. And uh, but you have you have to hit that fail sometimes because then I drove back from Myrtle Beach to Los Angeles. I had. Like 2,500 miles to like rewrite the joke. <laughs> By the time I got back to LA, like I was like, okay, I, I have like 19 different tags that if it goes this way, I'm saying this. If it goes this way, I'm saying, and, and now it's a completely different bit. So you need to kind of embrace the failure of it. It just, when you're, when you are failing presently, like when it is happening, yeah, yeah it feels terrible. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you just can't be afraid of it. You can't be afraid of it. And I think that's a huge part of life in any endeavor is to not be afraid to fail. Fear of failure holds so many of us back in so many ways, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. It, and a lot of it, you know, what's the, I was just, there's a, a quote like about how you, whatever you're afraid of doing, you avoiding doing it is actually more painful than the pain you think doing the process is actually going to be and wow. it, it's such a great point right like mm -hmm. unless it's of don't, course don't like if you're afraid of you know juggling chainsaws then maybe you know that could get more painful yeah that depending on what your goals are right sure. but i get the idea of the quote and see that's what i do i pick things apart because mm -hmm. I, because i'm an asshole so there you go <laughs> Which is fine. I'm an asshole, too. <laughs> I, I have a friend who's a comic, too. Uh, it's a guy who's been on the show doing football jokes and stuff. And uh, uh, I don't know if you know Kostaki Economopoulos. Very funny guy. Um, mm. and, and I constantly do that to him. He'll make a joke. He'll hit the punchline. And I'll laugh at all that. And then two seconds later, I start pulling the string at it. And he's like, would you stop? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No. <laughs> no, nothing a comic likes more than someone being like, let me explain the joke. It's like, I just want the laughter. Are you the person at the movie that you're like, I've seen this part. This is actually wait because he's going to walk through the door right now. And you're like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I generally keep my mouth. The killer's his mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like sometimes if, if it's if something's being telegraphed, I might lean into whoever I think. I think I know what's going to happen. And if you want me to tell you, I'll tell you. If not, I'll shut up. And they're, usually they're like, yeah, shut up. See, that's why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> but I, I did blow a movie once on a friend of mine, and as a, this is an old story. Uh, do you remember the Ritz Theater in downtown Scranton? Yeah, sure. All right, so I go to the Ritz Theater. We're seeing E.T. It's the second time I've seen E.T. I'm there with like my best friend, and I still am best friends with this guy. Why he puts up with me, I'll never know. And it's getting towards the end of E.T. You know, they're almost, uh, the government's closing in, and what's going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm dying to go to the snack bar, but for some reason that I can't remember, I won't go alone. So I'm like, Mike, you got to come to the snack bar. I want to see it, Mike. Gotta... So after about three minutes, I look, look, he dies, they freeze him, he comes back to life. Let's go. <laughs> And he's like, you're an ass. <laughs> right. And he still invited me to his wedding. Yeah. I have I have, I have, holiday dinners with his family. Yeah, seriously, oh, that's a riot. Really this do. guy's my best friend. That's yeah. so funny. I mean, it was such an abusive relationship in so many ways. <laughs> right. <laughs>
<laughs> so, you know, one of the things I thought was cool, uh, you teach a comedy class. You would do a virtual comedy class. That has got to be, I mean, I think it sounds like it's very difficult to do. Am I wrong? I don't think so. I actually love punching up material, and I've uh, I've done this class in person a couple times before uh, everything shut down. And it's kind of interesting, the silver lining of this weird world that we live in is that we all had the internet and computers well before the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. And and suddenly we're like, oh, I can talk to, you know, my friend from the other side of the country <laughs> and my friend from down the street and we could all get on a video chat. And and it's actually I think it's helpful. So the class is uh what I like about it, um, is that it you're net like you can network with all these different comics. My current I have a current class going on right now. There's another one coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh the current class like I have I have comics from Arizona. I have comics from Pennsylvania. I have comics from Massachusetts. Like, you know, that, like, there's comics from uh, Los Angeles out there. You know, it's like there's people from everywhere. And it's like, when would we have ever met each other? And right. as comedians, it's, the network is so important. It's just as important as writing your jokes as that, being like, who do I know in this city? You yeah, know? Yeah. Who's going to help me get a gig or who's going to help me get some stage time and vice versa? Yeah. So the the class is finding your comedic voice, and uh, how how far into the comedy world should you be if you're taking this class? Like, what if you're a guy who's done a couple of open mics and you're thinking, man, I, I don't know where I'm going here? No, I actually, there is, uh, one of my students currently right now has never done it, wow. and they are even like, hey, uh, you know, I'm like, this is, because I, I think it helps both sides. It's, if if you have material, we're going to punch it up for you, we're like, you know, and it, and if you've never done it, I think it's actually a great way to see what a writer's room looks like, mm-hmm. how we all can, you know, punch up jokes. And then you're going to get a better understanding of your comedic voice, which is is the hardest thing they say, they in the air quotes, uh, <laughs> to, uh, right? <laughs> Who are these people? Uh, but it's it's the hardest part of your act to develop. It's And it's it's the it seems the easiest because it's basically you. Right. But but naturally, it's like when you get on stage, even if you have public speaking skills, even if you're like not like, you you know, that stage fright, you still, for whatever reason, are going to naturally hold back mm-hmm. who you are. And so the class is, is to pull out all these really like this is what we see in you. This is this is how you are with your friends, your family. Be that natural person. Right. And so the class can help you, whether you had just started comedy or if you've been in for a couple of years. Because it's all just recognizing things that maybe, you know, you know, but you don't ever really bring into your stand-up because it's how you act around your best friend when they, you know, mess up, you know, you mess up E.T. for them. But there's a reason why, you know, he's still hanging out with you. And it's because of your comedic voice. It's because of Mm. who you are naturally. And uh, so it focuses on that and it focuses on um, punching up material and, uh, you know, I have... A bunch, like you know, a bunch of different theories, like things to remember on stage to make sure you have successful sets and right. stuff. So I, I think it benefits no matter where you are in uh, in your comedy journey. It seems like such a cool thing, and of course, obviously, all online, all easy to do via Zoom or whatever crazy video program you kids yeah. are using. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's it's a new one every week. Yeah. This is on Zoom though, so uh, I, I, I I stayed traditional. All right, I like that. I think that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, it's funny you're talking about finding your voice, and I'd say even people who are not in a a performing arts thing, it probably wouldn't hurt them to kind of have an idea of, of who, like I, one of the things 
years ago somebody taught me in radio was like find one thing about your personality that you can amplify and hang your hat on that that doesn't mean lose the other parts of your personality but that's the main thing i.e anger artist in my stupid little bio yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but that's you know that because that pulls you in it's just like when you're saying describe your comedy to me yeah you know because that that's my business card. Mm-hmm. That's where people, if someone's like, hey, I need, I, I'm looking for somebody to perform at my 12 year old's birthday party. Like, for me to be like, that's Ellen Doyle, I'm going to be like, no, ma'am, but I know somebody who's perfect for that. Like, right. why would I try to stress out, you know, I, I'm, I'm friends with this hilarious family friendly comic that I like, yeah, like, this is why the network is important. You know, I get that guy a job and then he remembers me the next time he doesn't want to do you know, a show where you have to say the C word. <laughs> now, which C word again? Are we talking about the same one or a different one, Ellen? Come on. I don't know. I'm never sure if we're allowed to say it anymore. Uh- <laughs> Ellen Doyle, I, I love chatting with you. I got one last question. Uh, why stand-up comedy for you? How did it happen? Oh, so it's kind of weird. I, uh, I, I was in Los Angeles. I was working... Um, on productions, I, I uh, was a sound, I mean, I still do sound mixing for uh, reality television because mm-hmm. um, I don't respect anybody. <laughs> <and the> content <laughs> doesn't matter. What are the real housewives doing? Um, <laughs> they're mad and they're drunk and they're throwing wine Love it. next week, you know. So I was doing that, but it's interesting. One of the things about moving to Los Angeles and and I was working in productions is that uh, everybody in in LA has no one does one thing. Yeah. You know, so when you're on set, it's like everybody's got this like other passion project. And I've been working on set a couple of years and everybody just being myself, using my comedic voice. People will just be like, hey, do you do stand up? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. They're like, I think you'd be good at it. <laughs> you and, should. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, OK. And at first it's flattering. And then you hear that for like almost two years and it kind of builds this like you know, Grinch, like, you know, my heart's like black and I'm like, don't say it. Like, I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. And, uh, I was on a production. Um, I'd been working at a, we were on the road. We were in Florida and my, uh, executive producer was talking to me and he was like, I think you need to do it. And he had done stand up like in the nineties. Yeah. And he actually told me to take a class, which is also like, I think taking classes actually, I need the accountability buddy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't just sign up for a gym membership and be like, I'll be there tomorrow at 6 a.m. It's like I need like nine people to be like, get in my car. (laughs) I will bring the smoothie. I will open the door for you. I will tie your shoes. It's like I'm not going. So I took this class and, uh, you know, it kind of went from there. Like I got I got tape and I started uh, submitting stuff. But it was crazy because I remember telling my mom um, after everybody been saying this. I was like, I think I think I'm going to take this plunge. Like I was like, I know it seems weird. And she was like. No, it doesn't. She was like, when you were in kindergarten and your teacher asks you the, the age old kindergarten question of what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. She was like, you do you not remember? She was like, you told your teacher a comedian. And I was like, oh, that's right. Because my mom taught me how to spell it comedian. Ah. Because, and I was like, yeah, I guess I've always been a pretty pompous and arrogant <laughs> thinking. <laughs> I was like, but it took it took how many years through dancing and working in productions? And I'm finally like, all right. All right, I'm I'm full of myself enough to give it a try. So it's it's crazy, but I love it. I think it's a, you know, it's a great, it's a really unique art form. It's yeah. uh, it's it's got that that trickiness to it that I think is is fun. Um, because like I said, like the failure is always there, mm-hmm. and uh, but 
you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about people doing it. And, and I know even now, which is also why I wanted to teach the class. So many people want to do this yeah. and they kind of don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just start. And and you know, I love punching up material. I love working with seasoned comics. I love working with new comics because you know, it's a, it's a really weird path and it's, you don't have to do it by yourself, even though on stage, that's all you, Yeah. you know, but it, Use your network when you're off stage. Talk to people, like take the classes, you know, read the books because that's going to get you much further. I, so. I love it. I respect the hell out of anybody who does it because uh, it scares the snot out of me. Even just being an <laughs> idiot boy on the radio, like, you know, the good thing about my job is if something falls flat, I don't have to look at your face. I just have an empty room I'm in. So I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, that's I true, yeah. yeah. I can't but imagine don't you... just dying and having 40 people staring at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, it, well, it is crazy. I mean, actually, I think when you're early in the comedy career, that bomb is like, Ugh, yeah. this is the worst experience of my life. But the more you get into it, you're like, oh, here it is. And then it's kind of fun to be like, am I going to get out of it yep. or am I going to fail? Because sometimes, like, as you get better at it, you do get out of it. Sure. And then no one remembers that you bombed, like, in the middle of the act because yeah. you, you end high. And that, like, that challenge is fun. But, yeah, the first couple of years of that challenge, you're like, oh, my, it's, yeah, it's the showing up to school late for the test. You're naked. Yeah. You know, it's that horrible dream all at once. But that's as bad as it gets. It's just it's just a dream, and the next one's fine, you know? I, I love it. I love your attitude. I love everything about it. How do people Thanks, find the man. class, Ellen? How do they find it? Where do they go on the web for this? So they can go to my website, which is ellendoylecomedy.com. Uh, the class is listed there. The information I offer just if you just want to do a punch-up, um, if you want to take the class. Uh, currently, the class comes with a one-on-one punch-up with me mm -hmm. as a bonus. But they can get more information, read about the class. Uh, if they if they want to see that joke that I got in trouble for, the video of it is actually on there, not the one I got in trouble for at a time that it actually was successful. <laughs> so there's no, no video of the time you got in trouble for it, huh? Not on the internet, oh, no, just in it. my heart. Okay. <laughs> just, in, just in my conscience forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, and, uh, yeah, ellendoylecomedy.com and – you know, uh, my email's up there, and you uh, once you get to the website, learn about stuff, and then we can, we can start chatting and see whoever wants to, to join, whether you want to be, you aspire to be a comic, you want to just, you know, have some better material, mm -hmm. um, even if you aspire to be a writer, because it is a writer's room thing. I sure. think a lot of people forget that with comedy, that it's like, I mean, I do things where I'm not performing it, but I work for people that, and just punch up stuff. It's yeah. like, that's, it's funny when you're like, oh, that's a job. Uh, you know what, I mean, I, <laughs> I wish in high school I paid more attention to A, my English teacher who tried to open my eyes in a creative writing class, and B, just uh, computer and typing skills because I write so much crap it's not even funny, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But the writing is – I agree with you. I, I think it's just because the uh, the stuff that they make you read. There, nothing gets you really turned on when they're like, all right, guys, let's talk about Beowulf. Yeah. You're like, really? Yeah. You know, you're like, English is boring. Yeah, but then you start writing your own short stories. You're like, oh, this is funny. Yeah, And, and you know, for me, uh, the guy, I, I completely, you know, as we wander along here, I don't know how much time you have, but I'll keep going, whatever. Mm. Uh, Jane, oh, I got time. James Thurber was the one writer of stories that opened my eyes to go, hey, this doesn't all suck, you know? Yeah. Oh, when I read, yeah. uh, when I read uh, you know, Secret Wife of Walter Mitty, I'm like, this is, this. you can do this? This is so cool, you know? I haven't read that one. I need to read. Ooh, that. You should definitely read that one. They yeah. made a crappy was, movie, but you should definitely read it. Yeah. No, my, mine, mine's David Sedaris. Uh, I mean, he writes memoirs and yeah. stuff, but his his sarcasm writing is like 
it's just incredible. I'm like, that's what I think they miss in English class sometimes is like the tone. Yeah. You know, that like everything always feels like this is, this is a, you know, a prize winning like poem and it just feels real stuffy. And then you read people where it's like, it's looser. It sounds like a person and you're like, I totally get into that. And it's like, where was that stuff? But I guess, you know. They don't want us to, but yeah, the, but, but still the <laughs> writing is the writing. Yeah. They don't want us to learn the good stuff. No, but the writing is so you're, you're right. It's so important. And yeah. it's, and, and people want writers all the time. And especially if you can write funny, mm-hmm. you know, is huge. And, you know, just, I mean, people need a funny writer because they're, they're running for mayor, yeah. you know, when they, they just want to have like a, a little, I'm relating to the youths tag, you know, <laughs> I'm getting in with the kids, man. Come that's on. Right. Got that, got that Gen Z vote coming. Yeah. yeah. they. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like uh, for me, because of what I'm doing on the radio, a lot of what I like, I, I it's like, you know, quick setup, punchline out kind of things, or I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing like a story. I'm telling something about my life, but you're looking for those points to exaggerate, maybe drop a little breadcrumb as a joke. And then finding that high point to get the hell out of there on. That's always the most fun part of the writing for me is like, okay, how do I want to end this so that I know it's going to pop on the air and people are going to laugh in their car, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I think what's cool about that writing is you might have written it and maybe you put a word in front of another word right. and you said it and you're like, that's funny. But then then you move that word behind that word and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's way fun. Like, you know, sometimes it's like it's a switch of, oh, that's the funnier way to say it. If yeah. I say it this way instead of that way, it's the same thing. Um, but it's crazy when you really study humor that way to be like, that's going to that's going to get people oh there's a like i'll i'll even i'll even give a i'll even give a free tip yeah One oh, of the, here it comes free tip free free joke writing tip um if you're using a large vocabulary word or a word that is uh seems like you know like platypus platypus is a funny word <laughs> right. right you always put that word at the end of the sentence mm-hmm. because people will res- like because the sentence is going to give you a natural pause in your cadence. And the, even though that might not be the punchline, right. you actually still get the laugh, you know, <laughs> now, does, like, it be, does it have to mm-hmm. be a funny big word? Or if I'm just using the word and not even a big word, but like a $2 word, Lanai, do I need to put that there at the end of the sentence? Yeah. <laughs> even if it, whether it's a, it's a funny sounding word or it's like a, you know, like an SAT vocabulary word, okay. you always add that at the end of the sentence because you know, it's people's minds because it's like they're either catching up to the fact of being like, I know what that word means, right. or they're laughing by being like, I've never heard that word except on the Golden Girls, Lanai. <laughs> no one has a Lanai. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so there's, a, there's your free tip for I, I love it. There's a, um, I'm sure you know Brian Regan and know who he is. Mm-hmm, and all. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing him uh, years ago in Syracuse, and uh, this the joke eventually became the title of his special, uh, and I can't remember the, the damn thing, uh, uh, it was something about, it was a hyperbolic thing, you know, but he was talking about uh, epitome of hyperbole is, is the punchline of the joke. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he got, when he first did it, when I saw him and I saw him like three weeks later and you could tell that he worked on it because when he first did it, it landed really, really flat. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and then like three weeks later, I saw him in Rochester with my brother and he tweaked the joke and it was just like two or three different things. And I didn't even realize it was the same joke until he hit that, that, that I mentioned hyper hyperbole, yeah. but he spelled it hyperbole or says that. And I, I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. It was just two yeah. different little things. You know? And you don't think about it until somebody else is with you and says, you know, maybe you just change around this thing. There's a rhythm to it all that you don't think about when you're just sitting there watching. 
Absolutely. No, and that's the that's the whole I think a lot of uh a lot of times in comedy, especially you know, I know plenty of comics that are like, Mom, I'll take a class because no one's going to teach me to be funny. And it's like, no one's teaching you. To, I would hope that you have a sense of humor if you're coming to a comedy class. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one's, I hope that at some point you made somebody laugh because this is going to be <laughs> pulling teeth if you're like, I, uh, you know, you're so straight laced. Like, I don't know. No one knows how to, you, people can make other people laugh. Right. But you're right. The, because even like Jim Gaffigan did not come up with 20 tags for bacon. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like he, he's, he writes with his wife. He yep. writes with other comics, and and when you when you study these comics, and you're like, oh, like this person writes for that person, and you know, uh, you see that it, like you could see like, of course, Larry David writes for Jerry Seinfeld, but mm -hmm. Curb Your Enthusiasm is so Larry David, right. it's not Jerry, no, you know, but not at all. But they have the same similar mm -hmm. style of just looking at the mundane everyday life, right? And Jerry's is is you know, uh, prime time level <laughs> and Larry's, you got to pay a monthly admission fee because it's so messed up, yeah. but it's the same style. And that, you know, but that you could sit in a writer's room and, and still help somebody else do it. And that's what these, that's what these TV shows are like. You're sitting in a writer's room. It's not one person writing a show. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, not one person fun. writing stand up. Right. Yeah. It's a bunch of people. And so it's, it's helpful to start to get in that environment and be like, I'm working with, everybody plus i think it's nice you know i actually write with my brother a lot um wow. yeah because uh he and he's not a comedian right um he's hilarious though but he uh he's great because he's known me my entire life he's my older brother mm -hmm. uh so he actually can give me tags that sound like me because he knows what i sound like right. because he knows me so well you know and that that's helpful and as long as people are writing for you and they're not making you sound different yeah, and that's that's the key because you got to. I mean, you know, I've had program directors who be like, "Oh, I would have done it this way," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's great for you. I'm an open book. I'm willing to learn, but let's keep it in my ballpark." Absolutely, no, and that that's also the other thing with this class that I uh, am really jazzed about is that finding your comedic voice. I like I I've analyzed comedy so much. I love helping you punch stuff up yeah. to sound like you. Because I've taken a lot of classes. I love taking classes. I, I go to all the workshops when I'm like at a festival or something. Like mm -hmm. I, I'll real nerd out about comedy. But <laughs> um, I've, I've been in some classes where I see that a lot of the students come out of the class. They sound like the teacher. Right. And I'm like, I don't want I'm like, I don't need a bunch of other Ellen Doyles. I'm trying to get booked myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I want you to worse. be you, man. <laughs> I'm going to saturate the market with more me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> You know, um, especially if mediocre me gets gets a better gig, I'm going to be oh. like, what is going on? How did that happen? Second yeah. Race. <laughs> yeah. But your comedic voice, I want you to be you, you yeah. know, and, and so figure out uh, like like my current class right now. I, I have a super clean comic in there mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, e even cleaner than Jerry Seinfeld. And wow. and he's funny. And I'm you know, I have clean material, but I wouldn't consider myself a clean comic. Sure. But I can punch up his clean stuff. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I'm going to start adding in things to be like, oh, it'd be really funny if then a murderer came. And it's like, he doesn't know. That's not you know? him. <laughs> it's not funny. Right. He's talking about a pencil eraser. <laughs> like, where are you going? Can he make you know, a pencil on... eraser funny? Because that's good, you know? He actually made a, a, a bit about all the different pens in his uh, desk yeah. drawer funny. Yeah. It's actually hilarious. Just what they're all. You know, you open, you don't clean, he's like, it's for the pandemic, you don't clean stuff out. Yeah. You're like, 
opened that drawer like who's the who's this this oh this pen we have to keep because it's from the wedding <laughs> that was the gift you know yeah. but i'm like yeah it's relatable and that's what i was just gonna say it's a great topic because 99 percent of us have done something where okay here's a shit ton of pens in my drawer or whatever you know what i mean those kind of topics yeah. are awesome but to be able to put your twist on it is what makes you you and what brings people in you know absolutely and i think that's it like you know the the clean stuff too i think some people try to uh to push boundaries so far with mm -hmm. trying to say edgy stuff, you know, and then they end up in cancel culture. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, the clean stuff, even if, if you have a mouth like a sailor, you still have a drawer full of pens. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you talk about, you know, you know, the, the jokes about those weird things are actually, I think what brings us more together is mm -hmm. that, is that weird clean stuff because like that, that's hitting everybody, yeah. you know, and you're starting to talk to people that you might not actually be friends with, uh, you know, outside of you being on stage, but they're laughing at you on stage. It's like, well, now you've hit, that's a success, man. You like, you're crossing boundaries mm -hmm. of, you know, that's what you want. You want to be able to talk to everybody. So yeah, if you can reach that person who has, who's nothing like you has zero in common with you and then get them to laugh at what you're thinking. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's a great feeling. It's an awesome goal. That's, I mean, I wouldn't you know, know, like I, but sure, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure you get a lot of. <laughs> but I, when you were saying, like, I was saying that the, uh, you know, the East Coast is fun to perform because you guys get sarcasm, and yeah. then I, you know, made the jab at Boise, but they, uh, um, but I loved Boise, and I, I had really good sets out there, and sure. they, uh, but they're so different. Mm -hmm. They're so different. They're they they're one of the six states that that don't even have medicinal or decriminalized marijuana, their, um, their beer levels, they only sell, it's kind of like Utah. Like you can only get like 4.6%. Yeah. It's like max. Utah light up there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the city's beautiful. It's like, there's a river, like it's very outdoorsy. Oh, Boise's a great town. I love it. Yeah. I love it too. Yeah. But I, I was like, everyone's so nice. I was like, but you don't have a vice. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you guys can't do anything here. Mm. I asked the one guy, I was like, do you just purge? You guys like murder each other like once a day? Like this is the sweetest people I've ever met. You know, it's also, it, it's just, it's a different culture. Yep. Like they're, and uh, if you can make them laugh, mm -hmm. like you're like, cause I being out there during the day, I'm like, I feel like I have nothing in common with these people. I grew up in a completely different world. Right. But if you're making them laugh on stage, it's like, okay, we're the same. And mm -hmm. I think that's the cool thing about comedy, too, is with things and not to get like political, but it's like, you know, America's become divided. It's like and, and sometimes just laughing at each other or with each other is being like, we're we are the same. Yes. You know, and and it's a great reminder to be like, it doesn't I don't care who you voted for or what you believe or anything. But it's like if we could all get behind the fact that, you know. All these pens in my drawer. <laughs> But, you know, it's like if, all we, need. If we all yeah because then everyone's like no we're exactly the same it's like yeah. we are we're all dealing with the day-to-day -day weird mundane you know just minutiae and then connect that way and i know i promised you before it was the last question but now just chatting with you i just keep thinking of the things i want to ask you about and talk about um do people still and if they don't say this i'm glad but do they still say women aren't funny and how do you not kick somebody in the head when they say that to you they do really <laughs> people still say that they do what the hell um i know it's so weird it's a uh, yeah it's just such a weird idea i actually actually that uh the competition that I was talking about in Myrtle Beach, yeah. um, 
and I and I won that first night talking about this this joke where I talk about cancer. Right. But uh, murdered. Like, I mean, I was real proud of that set. Sure. The next day, real <laughs> sad of that set. But, I mean, those are the ebbs and flows. Right. But I remember uh, the night that I won, this other comic on the lineup, <coughs> excuse me, sure. um, he, this other comic on the lineup, after I won, he came up to me, you know, he didn't win. Mm -hmm. And he goes, uh, that was an awesome set. I was like, thanks. He goes, I got to be honest. He was like, when you walked in, I was like, oh, hot girl comedy. <laughs> he was like, and then you... You, you did something. He was like that one had no gender related. Mm -hmm. Anybody could do that joke. He was like, and you just killed. Um, and, and it was so interesting because I was like, uh, thank you. But it was also kind of backhanded, yeah, it seemed backhanded you know, yeah. to be like, oh, I, I judged a book by its cover when you came in. And I was just like, oh, like, you know, like, yeah, there's I, there's still a lot of guys that will see a woman get on stage. And they're just like, uh oh, she's going to. She's going to make jokes about her period or she's talking about lip, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's such a weird stereotype because yeah. there's so many different, uh, I don't, my, one of my favorite, uh, female comics is Maria Bamford. I don't oh, know if you've listened. So good. She's a riot yes. and she is insane yeah. and, and she's so real and she, she has this amazing way of turning all these ugly parts of your life and your personality mm -hmm. into this comedy gold. And it, it's just, it's interesting that people don't, uh, you know, because she's also kind of like a cult comic. Yeah, I she's realize. not huge by any stretch, but she's doing all right. Yeah, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because more people, it's like, someone's like, oh, I've never heard of her. I was like, you got to look this late. I'm like, she is like, I've met her twice. She's the only, and I've met, a, like, living in Los Angeles, I've met a bunch of celebrities. She's the only one I'm starstruck by. Ah. And uh, I met her twice after shows, and I'm always like, I like your show. I just want to <laughs> let you know. you know. And she's so awkward, so she's like, oh, thank you. Like, I mean, it's like, it's so normal for her, but I'm like, oh, I just think you're the best thing in the whole world. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the I think I think that, that female uh, women aren't funny is is kind of going away. I hope so. But uh, but I do think that audiences are maybe not even I, – I don't even think it's so much audiences. I think it's actual comics that are still holding on to it. I, I would think that you're probably right on that, that it's more yeah. inside uh, inside baseball than it is outside on the, on the rest of it us. It is. You know? Yeah, because anybody – because the other thing with comedy that's uh, always so interesting is that you actually – want to make sure that the girls in the audience are laughing at you because mm -hmm. it's probably a date night right. right so it's like if that's why andrew dice clay had to like leave and come back because he started to get so misogynistic and yep. he lost the women mm -hmm. and it's like if you lose the women and she's not laughing and her date next to her sees that she's not laughing even if he thinks it's funny, he's like, oh, I'm not laughing. Yeah, I'm not putting up with that crap <laughs> because, on the ride home. That's it, you know, because I took her out and I paid for this and, yep. you know, I'm getting, I'm getting some sort of payment. You know, it's like, I don't, so, uh, yeah, like, so if you lose the women, you're losing the guys. So as far as the audience, I think women, you know, have no problem with it, with a female comic. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah, I was, I was in Atlanta, like, uh, several years ago and I, I just gone to an open mic. Like, I was like, I'm just going to you know, um, cross this off real quick. I was working on a production down there, went to a mic and I signed up. It was this dive bar. I signed up fourth. Mm -hmm. I was there super early, wanted to go so I could leave, drive back the 90 minutes. So I'd go to work right. the next day and, uh, signed up fourth. The guy puts me up 17th. By the time I go up, there's like barely anybody in there. I go up, do really well. And he goes, Hey, um, 
sorry about that. Like, you should have told me you were funny. <laughs> and I was like, does that work? He was like, well, I don't know. It's like, you're just like a girl that, and I was like, that's your problem. Yeah. Like you just saw like, oh, it's some girl. Like, and even so it's like, I'm doing four minutes. Yeah. Even if it's the worst four <laughs> minutes know? in the world, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I signed up fourth. Let me do my garbage four minutes and get out, you know? But it was like, it's not like you're giving me an hour long set and it's like, oh God. Like, yeah. that's why I think it's crazy. It's like, this is an open mic in some shithole bar <laughs> and you're going to be like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know this girl. Yeah. I'm and, not sure uh, if she can handle the room. Hang on. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. And, and it, that's the thing too. Even if I, if I fail, then let me fail. Yeah. Because I know my, my uh, you know, buddies, like male comic friends in Los Angeles, I would yell at them because there was this one open mic that I would work at from time to time. And uh, a couple of the hosts, um, there were, were guys, if girls came in, because there weren't a lot of girls that came into that one because it mm -hmm. was kind of like this like rough and tumble place. Um, but it's like a girl would come in and they'd all, you know, like Looney Tunes, like eyes out of their head, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. a woman. And, uh, and they would just laugh. They would give them the pity laughs. Like you could hear it. Ugh. Like, and I was like, why are you doing that? And they're like, well, I want to make sure she comes back. And yeah, I was like, no, her. but you're giving her a false sense of thinking that that joke. Right. I'm like, and she probably knows you guys are full of shit. Mm -hmm. She's trying to work on material. I'm like, but uh, yeah, it, I, I think it's more of a, a, a guy thing that is, is weird. It's not an audience thing. Yeah. Cause there's plenty, you know, Eliza Slashinger's huge. Yep. Like, you know, Nikki Glazer, who, Whitney by the Cummings, way, I would consider, you know, Tig like, Nataro. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, with, like, when you talked about uh, Schlesinger, I always think of her as that hot girl comic, and she's hilarious. So I was kind of mad when somebody said that to you, like, oh, it's going to be a hot girl comic. Like, that's fine. If you're funny, I don't care. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and Eliza's, uh, you know, brand, mm -hmm. which is like, because she's, she's so self-aware. It's like, she is attractive, right? You know, she's not, she's not going to hide that fact. And so a lot of her jokes are just like, I'm this beautiful person and this is how ugly I am on the inside. Right, and it's like, that's where the humor is, you yes. know, because to sh like, and, and to kind of mock the fact that it's like, I can't help I was born with this face. <laughs> and yes, we're all monsters, all the pretty, like, and, and I love that she does that. Cause it's like, yeah, it's like, it would, it's more obnoxious if she, I wouldn't say more obnoxious because I guess uh, I'm blanking on her name. Um, Natasha Leggero kind of goes the opposite. Right. And she makes like it she's work a pretty girl yeah. and she makes it work in a way where she's just like, yeah, of course, you're never going to. And but like, take it like it's like it's all developing your brand and your yeah. voice and how you know how to present your humor. Yeah. Um, but like, I really can't think of like a female in comedy that that you're like, oh, yeah, that one was like so it's so hacky or it's so like even early, even Ellen DeGeneres, like early standup is a riot, you oh, know, it's yeah. like, and of course her stuff is good. She has her own show. <laughs> and, and, like, and she, the thing about Ellen that's amazing to me is she's been so good for years. Like, you know, even the last standup special you did, you thinking, Oh, well, she's been out of it for a while doing her TV thing. Maybe she's going to blow it or just not be as good. Yeah. Still amazing. It's like, uh, you know, I mean, she's up there with, in my opinion, with George Carlin, different kind uh -huh. of comedians, but the, body of work is so consistent well yeah and her recent special was also um you know again that self-awareness she she mm -hmm. knows at that point that she is beyond like what she's the money she's making from that special is like how much she donates to like right. PETA every year you yeah. know what i mean it's like it's nothing 
and and to make jokes about that to make the jokes about like oh i'm just like you guys like i get out of my shower every morning and and like scoot on the the bath mat you know and then go and give my my butler brings me breakfast you know yeah. and i'm like can you take the bath you know and it's her like she knows that funny where it's like we don't relate anymore right but she's smart enough to use that and play with it i yeah. love it and i, I think it that's so great yeah. yeah no i there i think there's a lot of really funny women i it's, it's just a uh I think it's always going to be a stigma, but um, yeah, it bothers me. It my, just bothers me. It, it bothered you know, me bothers, when I was a kid when when I heard uh, um, MDA guy uh, Jerry Lewis when I heard him say mm-hmm. it one time. I, I just wanted—I mean, I wanted to punch him in his face. And here's—you know what I mean? I just hated it, and I don't know why. I just hated it. Well, and it's funny too because I think the stereotypes—what they think that women are going to talk about—I don't even know anybody that has jokes like that. Right. <laughs> But, you know, like, and I don't care if you do. I don't. I don't care if I go in to see a woman and the whole set is about periods. If it's funny, it's funny, and that's all I care. I just want to laugh my ass off. That's all I care yeah, about. Yeah. No, absolutely. You well, know? I think <laughs> this one comic I, years ago he was saying this like women isn't funny thing, and he was like, I'm "Just gonna come on stage talk about their vagina," and I was like, uh, "Okay." And then he proceeded to go up <laughs> afterwards and just talk about his dick, and yeah. I was like, "Pretty sure that's the same joke, man." It's like I was the like. Same thing. I'm like, you can't be mad at that because that's the same thing. And it's just interesting. I think my best advice for, uh, for females doing comedy is I think the best way to approach it is like, I don't walk into a room and count how, like count the gender around me. Cause that's where I think you start to feel discouraged. You're like, I was the only female there. Mm -hmm. I was like, sometimes I walk in in a room and I'm like, God, I'm the only comic here like that guy's gonna say hate speech that person is gonna make fun of his wife because he's mad and he's going through a divorce like you know it's like i'm the only person that's working on material i was like but if you you know if you separate yourself by saying i'm the only this it's like then you're almost creating the environment itself if you just walk in with confidence it's like yeah. it doesn't matter I-, I love it who who are the heroes when you're a kid kindergartner wanting to be a comedian through your years who are the ones you looked up to who are the ones you couldn't wait to see on hbo or whatever uh, I mean, as a as a kid, because um, I, I, you know, I loved comedy, but I didn't really start watching stand up till I was maybe like nine, okay. which is probably still too early for the stuff I was watching in like the 80s. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm right there with you on that. I, yeah, you know, I had I had class clown given to me when I was seven years old by my dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, as a, as a very little kid, it's like I was obsessed with Lucille Ball. Like okay. I, I, and there's a woman that also kind of changed like i mean she was one of the first females in hollywood to like own her production company right. and like that she's the reason star trek exists like that's, that's right. her product you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. she's done some stuff where you're like damn um yeah, she's badass and yeah like uh it, and then uh so and then as far as stand-ups went like i obsessed with george carlin i loved george carlin mm-hmm. uh i you know s- still love and still do dave Chappelle. i think is is just a riot yeah um and uh, yeah, I'm trying to think like younger. Um, I've always liked Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford has kind of, I think I've liked her from the beginning because she's she's like almost 30 years into the business. So is I feel it like that I was, long, really? Is it crazy? Yeah. If you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, 10 or 11. <laughs> no, know? yeah, I know. She, That's how long <laughs> it I've takes been so long for any of us to get any any traction. How um, long, I, I always ask comedians this, and I kind of held off on it, but since you've talked about time, how long did it take you to figure out or to, to start thinking, I'm good, I've got this down, I know what I'm doing? Um... I feel like it took me 
two years to to not actually I don't know if it's like I'm good, I know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but it took me two years to be like, just keep putting the effort into this. Okay. Because like the first year was like, oh, I'm going to go to a mic. And then it's like, maybe I wouldn't go to a, an open mic for like a month. Right. You know, and then someone's like, hey, do you want to do a show? I'm like, oh, well, I guess I should go to this mic. It took me about two years to get to the point of being like, okay, this is the work that I put into it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, once you start putting in the work, I feel like, that like your question like that all kind of comes into itself afterwards if you're putting in the work it's easier to be like i know what i'm doing right because you're working at it so if if that makes sense yeah, so i, I feel like it was sense. like two years okay. yeah yeah um, i mean I, I think putting in the work is, is is huge in everything um you know one of the things when i first started in the radio part-time i'm out you know working a couple hours a weekend <clears throat> And, you know, I thought I was doing all right and all that stuff. And then I started working overnight, six hours a night, every night for weeks and weeks and weeks. I did that for like eight months. And I'm like listening to my tape at the beginning as opposed to the end of those eight months. It's like, wow, did I really start to understand how this stuff works? Yeah, because it starts to become a muscle memory. Yeah. You know, and that's where if you're like, oh, I want to do this. Okay, well, now I don't want to do this. Like, it's like everything's just starting. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's like then you look back on stuff because there's even, you know, uh sets that i had early on um that people were like that was so funny yeah. and i'm like thank you and then i watch it now and i'm like nope i wouldn't do this <laughs> you know some some of them it's like i don't even do that joke anymore or yeah. i do that joke and, and we were saying the brian regan thing it's like but it sounds completely different right and it's way it's way funnier and i think that's the thing too with comics is as long as you, you have to keep changing it mm-hmm. and comics can become very complacent in the fact where it's like you know, I have this five minute material. This is all I have. Yeah. Uh, not enough. You know, Sorry. Like, <laughs> it's not, but, but that, that you don't, you, you don't want to say that any of it needs to be changed. Yeah. Like people that talk about Carlin, like every time he did an HBO special mm-hmm. and then he just threw it, he recorded it and then he threw everything out and he started again. And yeah. comics were like, that freaked me out. Cause I was like, what? Like I've been doing this joke for 14 years. Like you can't, Everybody's don't take away. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, but it's it's it, it, he's very interesting to look up to and to study his career because it's like mm-hmm. that's someone who just was like all right from the beginning, yeah. Because it's hard to look at that that blank canvas again and be mm-hmm. like because then you're like I'm not funny I have nothing to say, <laughs> you know. And, and, but you do. But that's the other part of this whole thing. Uh, you know, we talk about finding your voice. We talk about all that kind of stuff. I have nothing to say. I've been doing radio thirty some years. There are mornings and and afternoons where I'm sitting here trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about on the show, and that thought still creeps into my tiny stupid brain. I've got yeah. nothing to say. I, I have nothing worthwhile to add to this. Yeah, you know, and that doubt is crippling sometimes. It absolutely is, and and the thing is that it's like, but communication is what humans are are good at. Yeah. To a, to a point, you know, it's oftentimes what we're terrible at, but it's, 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 you know, but it is, uh, even if your opinion is similar to other people's right. doesn't mean that it's not worth saying, mm-hmm. you know? And, but yeah, I think that all the time where you're like, Oh, I can't, I got nothing to add. Yeah. You're like, really? Nothing. You definitely, you, I mean, you, you thought of, you have an opinion. Yeah. Oh you, yeah. yeah. You know, of course you have something to add. And, and I think it's the pressure of like, it's that weird, like internal voice, like your your ego, which is essentially like your eight year old self, who's like, well, I don't want anyone to be mean to me on the playground, <laughs> like you know, or like if I'm gonna say something, if I'm gonna do anything, I better get an A. Yeah, you know, where it's like adults know that it's like I just want to say something, you yeah. know, and if this is a, if this is a C plus, man, I'm a C plus student, whatever, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I always tell my wife, I, some, whatever. Like I, sometimes I just need to say it. You know what I mean? Like I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be having discussions with uh, friends and family, and 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 they think the discussion is over, but I still have this pontificating little thing in my head that's like, no, 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 I'm not finished. We're, yeah, we're all going to sit here and listen to what I have to say. <laughs> no, exactly. That's why I've kept you on this thing for almost an hour. No, <laughs> no I feel like I, I feel like I've kept you. I mean, this was in my head. This would be a ten-minute interview. I'll chop it down and put it on the radio. Now I'm sitting here thinking I could launch a whole podcast of talking to people like Ellen. You know, I don't know jack oh, squat about comedy, but I could talk about it all day long. I love it. No, I I really appreciate your time, and I, I this has been awesome because it's you know as, as a as a like a radio personality, it's like we're we're in different worlds. We're doing that. We're talking about the same thing, yeah, you know, and, and that's similar. I always think of myself as like, uh, this is, it's, it's kind of like, um, I don't want to say half-assed version of comedy cause it's not, it's just a different way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's smaller, totally. it's shorter. Um, and, and the good part is, um, I'm not judged on everything being viewed on YouTube a hundred times. The bad thing is I got to have something new every damn day. Yeah, which is, you know, and for me, it's like I don't have to have something new every day because I'm in a different city. Right. You know, it's like you guys haven't heard this. I've never seen you before. So it's like I'm doing the act I did last night. Right. Because what what the hell do you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, and the other thing that I think I get kind of jealous about with a, with a radio personality is that you no one sees you. Yeah, it's awesome. And <laughs> it is. And with me, it frustrates me because, you know, I, I have a, like I dress very kind of tomboyish on stage yeah. um and uh but like i have this certain style where it's like i always wear this like i have this like denim jacket that's got buttons on i look like this like little hipster that like didn't get picked for the baseball game like i don't know like i don't know what the hell i i, I have going on but yeah but it is a certain that i'm like this is this look is going with what you're saying mm -hmm. because if i you know it, like which is weird like i can't be like oh my gosh i want to put on this like really pretty dress nope and it's like go ahead but now people are viewing that they're judging the book by its cover yeah every, and every, you're saying things and they're like why would this girl be dressed up so nicely and be sick you know and and that's so weird like yeah. i'm like you just listen you can't just listen to me but if you're just on the radio it's like i'm just listening to you i don't even know you could be wearing a bathrobe right now and i'm like this guy was so enjoyable very intelligent you know a joy to talk to like who knows what you're doing right right uh, like well to be honest i have jeans and a sweatshirt on nothing exciting <laughs> but, exactly and and you don't have to you don't have to worry about that that image out front which is yeah. i think oftentimes as a comic that's the most stressful because that's what other reason why I couldn't stand being in LA. Cause once somebody was like, you know who you remind me of? I'm like, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to get to a point where someone's like, you remind me, you ever see this actress? Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want to remind you of anybody. Like, cause that's the, that's, you know, that's basically suicide and yeah. entertainment is like, you need to be you your know, own brand, your own Island. You need to set yourself apart. That point of differentiation, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's gotta be, it's gotta be you. It's gotta be your voice. And yeah, that's, I mean, you know, to, to, you know, go back to the class again, but like, that's, yeah, that's what I think the, that's why I think the class is so important. Yeah, the, I, the, the branding of yourself, who you are and, and that, that you do have something to say and that we do want to hear your opinion and that you might say it. And I agree with you. And that's good. Yeah. You might say it and I disagree with you. And I laugh because we but, see how different we are, yep. you know, but it's, but be authentic, you know, and, and that's where I think a lot of comics start to, flounder is there you know maybe been going to a mics for a couple months or like a couple years but they're they're constantly trying to be like what do you guys like 
what do you guys like? Like, yeah. do you like me yet? But it's like the moment you just take your voice and you're like, this is who I am around my best friend mm-hmm. and she loves me. Do you guys like that? And it's like, you just skyrocket. Cause it's like, now you're authentically you. Right. But and that no is one so can take scary. you. So scary. That's the scary part. And that's why I think your class is going to be helpful for a lot of people in comedy and, and other entertainment industries. Cause that's the freakiest, scariest part is I got to go out and put there. And you know, what if they reject that? And that's, you know, and it's funny because in comedy, it's kind of the thing. It's like when you bomb, it's basically people being like, I don't want to be friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, eh, it's kind of hurtful. But then you have to kind of be like, I don't want to be friends with a bunch of other people. And they're not even comics. I just, I, you know, saw somebody at a, at a fast food chain and was like, I would never hang out with that person. Yeah. And that's fine. We don't all connect that way. But yeah, so it is kind of like a knock at your your personality. But you have to just rise up from that ego because it's not really your, you know, it's not like people are like, you should never talk. And, right. You know, like this person shouldn't have friends or family. Like, I hope they don't get invited to like holiday parties. It's like, it doesn't ever get to a point. No one wants anybody to be alone. Right. You know, just some people are like, you're not my cup of tea, which is fine. And that's what I tell people all the time. Like my wife, when I first started dating her, she's like, how do you deal with people who say you stink? I hate you. I don't see you because you get those emails, you get those calls or whatever. Yeah. Uh, And the one thing I learned a long time ago, and it's fine. I'm not your cup of tea. That's okay. Go listen to somebody else. And that's fine. And and you'll get entertained there. And I won't have to have you call and tell me I suck. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and and seriously, it's like really when, you know, like, like I was saying, like Andrew Dice Clay, it's like there's there's only certain people where it's like if everybody gets mad at you. Yeah. You know, then you got to be like, all right, I'm going to put myself in comedy timeout and I got to rebrand because I went way too in one direction. Sure. And that happens. But like but he's he's you know, he's back. Yeah. And he's ridiculously funny. He's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and. And, and, honest, and that was I got also sick of the act for a little while. I got burned out on the whole, you know, dice man act for a little while. Uh-huh. You know, I can see why I had to go back and say, okay, I got to put myself in purgatory here. Yeah. And, and you do, especially, uh, you know, which is for me, I think the comedic voice and uh, I will say the, the, the one drawback to my class would be if you're somebody who wants to play a character. Yeah. You know, because that's still comedic voice, but you still have to think of this character because, you know, Andrew Dice Clay was a character. Yep. Like when, when Bobcat Goldthwait started, he was like, he's not that now. His comedy's so different now. Yeah, I haven't and seen Bobcat in years. I had to check it out, you know? Oh, my gosh. Highly recommend okay. um, his. Yeah. Like and he even makes fun of like, like that's how he got seen yeah. because he was so different. Right. But he even realized that it's like you can't keep this act up. Yeah. And, you know, and you still have this great comedic voice mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and but it's interesting because it's like, yeah, like back when he like in the 80s and stuff, when he's like, oh, my God, like, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, that's funny. But it's like then now he's in police academy. Now there's 25 police academies. And you're like, oh, this care, you know, that, it's, you know, and he even kind of changed his thing like in Scrooge where it's like he doesn't go completely like berserk right. in it, but he still plays this like you have to change if you're going to do the character stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these character people end up realizing that they're like, if I really want to keep doing this, I want to authentically be me because yeah. I have funny stuff to say. I don't need to hide behind the facade of, you know, this is a this is a weird type of character. It's like, that's funny, but like you're funny. Right. And it's tough. I think if you, it's easy to get locked in, especially when that character becomes successful. It's easy to lock in Bobcat, Dice, guys like that, you know? When yeah, you- well, and also then the audience kind of you know, like you're saying, you got bored of it. Like they kind of, they expect it. So you kind of know the joke. Right. 
And, you know, unlike musicians where, you know, yeah, I want to hear Stairway like, 100 Play times. Play Freebird! Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like we see a comic again, you're like, oh, I already, I already saw this joke. All right, so I already here, know the punchline. Here's my thought, uh, or since we're talking about that, uh, let's talk just briefly about Sam Kinison. And do you think Sam Kinison would have lasted without rebranding, without changing, or do you think that character if he was indeed playing a character, would have burned out. And I liked Kinnison's first two albums a lot. Yeah. I I agree with you. I feel like he might have burned out. Yeah. I was I always worried, because I remember by the third album with all the songs on it and all that stuff, my first thought was, he, he's got nothing up his sleeve, so now he's singing, and, and the, yeah. it's like a one-trick pony. And I, don't get me wrong, I still love him. I can go and yeah. listen to Have You Seen Me Lately right now and laugh my ass off at that album, but I, yeah. I started to think he was a one-trick pony, so I was wondering about it. Yeah. Well, if you start, that's like a, yeah, that's like a, a band, their third album is their Christmas album. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh, where are we at? Yeah. Oh, yes. So what kind of music do you like, Ellen? Um, I'm a I'm like a like a indie uh rock person. Give me like bands. I like, I like classic rock. Um well I'll say I'll I'll do so I'll do like based on my lifetime. Yeah. Like like decades. Uh yeah. so the decade I was born, my favorite ba- band would be Talking Heads. Okay. And then uh then it'd be Radiohead. I like Gorillas a lot. Okay, I like girls. Um, I don't for some reason, and, and not that I we need to talk about it. But I'm gonna say it. I don't like Radiohead. I don't. I don't know why. Keep going. No, that's fine. I, they're an acquired taste. I sure. just think like Radiohead like was kind of coming of age when I was coming of age, right? And so it's it just there's something nostalgic to it yeah. for me. And my younger um, brother loves them, and he's always trying to get me to like, and it just doesn't work. I don't know why. For me, he, yeah, I, you know, we all have that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love classic rock. Like, you know, I did, my dad's a big classic rock person. So yeah. it's like, I grew up on like the stones and the who I still love them. Right. Um, I like the Beatles, you know, I'm not, I'm an American. Yeah. I'm not crazy. I have uh, ears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I know what music sounds like. Right. Um, but it doesn't but have yeah, to be also, classic rock. Cause I don't like, you know, I love the stuff I grew up on listening to this radio station, but it's not what I listen to when I go home most of the time, you know? Oh, really? That's so interesting. Well, I mean, because I've been doing, I've, I've actually been at Rock 107 since 1988. You get a little, you know, a little time to make the donuts. I'm sick of eating donuts kind of thing after a while. You know what I mean? So, oh, no, I could I could understand yeah, that. That so, is crazy. Yeah. So yeah, for me, I like, it's like a lot of like, uh, I like angry punk rock and uh, post-hardcore punk rock right now. That's like the last five years of my life. I've been obsessed with stuff like that, much to the chagrin of my family. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's such an interesting thing to... Well, I guess that makes sense because, yeah, it's like your job's the, the radio personality. It's not to necessarily be like, who wants to hear Poison again? Yeah, you know, well, like, I mean, but that's part of it. I've got to sell the music. But here's the thing. Like, I can't just go out and go, hey, I and I like Poison. It's funny you mention them because I do like them and I grew up on them. I can't go like, mm-hmm. I like Poison a lot. Here's another band I like a lot. You should listen to Refused. They're completely different from Poison. <laughs> They're loud, obnoxious, <laughs> Swedish, anti-capitalist <laughs> punk rock. Listen to this. It's not going to work. Nobody who's listening to the Rock 7 wants to hear that crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's so true. That's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Because, so, yeah, you can't switch it like that. No, no. I definitely... Oh, God, that's there's a There's a whole, what do they come to you for, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, that's... Because uh, yeah, I've never worked as a DJ. And I, that's such an interesting thing to hear. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the parts about the job that some people hate. I want to play the music I want to do. Like, I was never one of those guys. I grew up loving classic rock, and I still do. But I never gave a rat's ass if I worked at this kind of radio station, if I worked playing... Because I worked at an AC station like a Magic 93, actually. Worked at mm-hmm. Magic 93. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't care. If I had to go and do country tomorrow, that's fine. I can mm-hmm. sell the music. Um, I want you to hear what I have to say. The music is just something to keep you listening in between. <laughs> no, exactly. Come back and hear my show. Yeah, yeah you're right. 
Well, because the that's where I think a lot of those like uh, the college radio stations, which sometimes I I dig, yeah. and then every now and then I'm like, oh, you're losing me because right. it is just someone being like, this is my playlist. Yeah, sometimes it's, it can get self indulgent. Yeah, yeah, and it gets the yeah it gets the points where you're just like, where yeah, hey, like where are we in music right now? What are you going through? Yeah. What, <laughs> <laughs> what I always tell people uh, about that because like some people will call up and be like, oh, you need to play this song by Zeppelin, and I'm like, yeah, it's a great song, but we're not playing it. Uh, my iPod is better than your iPod. You right. know what I mean? I don't care what's on your iPod. And I know I just asked you because I do care. Like, I was just curious as to what you listen to. Uh, but, like, you know, if you and I are hanging out, we got to find the stuff that we can listen to together because you're going to put Radiohead on and I'm going to be like, this sucks. And if I put Refused on, you're going to be like, what's this noise? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I actually, I love music so much. Like, yeah, you might like it. Who knows? But I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I, the only thing that I, because it's like I listen to Mozart. Yeah. You know, it's like I'll listen to DMX. Like, like, right at, you know, it's like my playlist right after, sometimes yeah. is like, what is happening? <laughs> the only thing I can never get into is pop country. Yeah, I love Willie Nelson. Yeah. You know, like, I, 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 you know, I can get into those, like, 1950s, 60s country songs mm -hmm. or, or, like, the Johnny Cash, like, gospel style. Yeah. But, like, I cannot get into Shania Twain. Yeah. I can't get into the, like, there's just, it just sounds. How old is your so, dad? Uh, 69. Okay. And the reason I'm saying that is because my dad's about 75. And, mm -hmm. uh, I, again, I hate pop country. It makes me want to punch somebody right in the throat. Yeah. But Loretta Lynn, I'm down. Sign me mm -hmm. up. Patsy mm -hmm. Cline, all about it. You know? Oh, I mean? yeah. She's great. Yeah. And I think that's probably because that kind of music. Uh, you know, it translated well into rhythm and blues and rock and roll. There was a lot of the same kind of structures to it and stuff that even though they did it differently, they still had the same kind of bass. And I think that's why it works for me anyway. Well, you're right, and I think also the uh, the early country still uh, they still had their own sound. Yeah, like Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn don't sound the same. You, Not at you all. hear them, and you're like, "Oh, here's that's Patsy. I yeah. know it. I know it immediately." Um, but now, I think what I don't like about it is that in order for it to be pop, there's like this certain like rhythm to it, mm -hmm. this certain like under guitar. Like the the way the cadence of just the whole like singing a line, singing a line, that's the chorus. Like yeah. it's like it's so repetitive because regular pop music, you know, when you think of like your, uh, you know, the bangles, it's yeah. like that was so 80s that that was big hair. That definitely feels like but like now it's like that Lady Gaga sounds completely different. Right. Because we're 30 years later. But the pop the pop music changes with kind of like oh maybe you guys kind of like you know the 90s was all about those weird techno beats and mm -hmm. but country music for whatever reason it's like locked in yeah it's like it's the same like oh if you want to be pop then we need this guitar riff and we need this little twangy sound here <laughs> and the chorus is uh three syllables go <laughs> like what <laughs> and it's got to be about a breakup a car and a truck or a drive Exa yeah, yeah, I yeah there's nothing because now like i actually uh I, I really like Billie Eilish. I, I'm kind of impressed by that girl. She's amazingly... Now, I'm yeah. going to be completely candid. I've heard three songs by her, three of them. Every single one of them, I thought, you could tell it was her, but sounded really cool and different from anything else out there. That Her album, uh, like her debut album, I think came out like two years ago, yeah. uh, Where Do We Go When We All Go to Sleep, I think is what it's called. Um, okay. That okay. album from start to finish is actually minus Days of Future Past, 
is one of the best mm. compilation albums I've ever seen. Days of Future Past is like it's it's a whole day. It's perfect. Yeah. Like that's that's a great album. But Billy, that album, uh, Billy Eilish's album is about a breakup. But mm. it's incredible because it kind of starts with her. Her pop song is you know, the, the one yeah, that she won the Grammy. Yeah. yeah. So that's the beginning of the album is kind of like, oh. I'm in charge. Like I got the, like, I can take your man from you kind of thing. Right. And then, and then it, it changes. And then sh- it, it's this huge like crescendo to just like complete loss. And it's, it's incredible to listen to from start to finish. Like I was really blown away and I'm like, this girl is 17 years old, Yeah. you know, and her brother writes with her, but he was, I think he he's only like 21 or 22. He's like, got his own thing going on that's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that I was like, they're talking, this is a young girl talking about an experience that like, you know, people have like in later adulthood, you right. know, or like in their 30s or something like that. Really deep heartbreak. You got that confidence of like, this this person's never leaving me. And then that that loss where yeah. like you're hit like i'm like that's a that i was just blown away by it really impressed with her yeah, I, you yeah. Know, it's funny i haven't heard the whole album i'll have to go and give it a listen i do think she's really incredibly talented but it, it, it kind of brings back uh to bring it all back because we're gonna wrap it up i swear to god <laughs> <laughs> to bring it all back like you're talking about her she's wise beyond her years but she had a point of view that album has yeah. a point of view that's why it resonates with you that's why we all need to find our damn voice we have to find our voice yeah it's authentic. You need to be yourself, yeah. and and you have something to say in everything and we do. You know, every yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's. I think we need to all be a little bit more comfortable with with doing that. You know, the voice is the hardest thing I think for in anything in any career. If mm-hmm. you want to just be talking to, you know, given a, a PowerPoint presentation, you know, at the office, you still want to find your voice. If you're like, oh, is it? Should I do a funny slide here? Or oh, well, maybe like, and you start to second guess yourself. You you're mm-hmm. losing authentic trust yourself you know and and we need to all trust ourselves more and that's how we're communicating and especially in entertainment that's the performance element you're all looking for is the person who's authentic amazing i love it i've had such a great time talking to you ellen it's been you so too, cool man. thanks oh, this God. was rad ellen doyle uh, i'm gonna put up all the stuff on our facebook facebook.com slash angry prospector go check it out the website again ellen ellen doyle Thank you so much for your hour, eight minutes plus of your life. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for the same, man. Yeah, is there someone I should talk to for season two of Nepotism? They got to live and work right here in Northeast PA, and they got to be interesting. If you have a suggestion, hit me up, prospector at rock107.com or Nepotism Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Next time on Nepotism, we chat with WNEP weekend anchor and uh, producer of other newscasts and all-around great guy, Andy Palumbo. Check it out where you get podcasts. Andy Palumbo's episode of Nepotism drops on June 11th.